0: you. Mm-hmm. originally given on October 11th, 2020. Our member Sherry Huber odding talks to us about the sixth stage of grief.
1: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sherry Huber odding and I've been a member of the CVUU since 2005. My husband of 33 years passed away on January 4th of this year from esophageal cancer that was stage four that had metastasized to his liver. We found out in the August before, so this is pretty close to the anniversary of when we found out that he had the cancer. Um, my talk today is based on what I learned from the book, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief by David Kessler. Here is the book. I don't know if it's very clear, but that's it. Um, and how it is helping me to find meaning in my loss. Uh, David Kessler uh, co-authored On Grief and Grieving and Life Lessons with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And he is the world's foremost expert on grief. Uh, Kubler-Ross, you may remember, identified the, uh, in 1969, she identified the five stages of death and dying. Um, They worked together to kind of um, move that into grief. Uh, They thought that, that kind of loosely fit grief as well. Um, I recall learning about these five stages of grief in, in psychology class in high school. Um, and we remembered them by the acronym DABDA, D-A-B-D-A, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, David says in his book that these stages of dying and supplic- subsequently the stages of grief do not prescribe, they describe. Um, so they're generalities that uh, that, and we all grieve in different ways. So, And they're also not linear. Sometimes you go back and forth, or you can feel several at at the same time. Uh, You may even skip some of them. Um, So, in the book, finding meaning in loss can help us to find a path forward. Uh, The process of grief, this process of grief became personal for David uh, when his 20 year old son uh, died of an accidental drug overdose, and that was kind of the impetus to get the book going. Um, So people often wonder what they can do for someone who's going through grief. And we heard some stories today in Joys and Sorrows about people who had passed away. I also know the two people that Karen Impala talked about today. Um, So what you can do, Kessler writes about what I believe to be very true uh, when he discusses witnessing grief. So I'm going to read a little passage from his book. Um, Each person's grief is as unique as their fingerprint. But what everyone has in common is that no matter how they grieve, they share a need for their grief to be witnessed. That doesn't mean needing someone to try and lessen it or reframe it for them. The need is for someone to be fully present to the magnitude of their loss without trying to point out a silver lining. Um, And then there's another little bit here too. If they are grieving, they need to feel their grief acknowledged and reflected by others. But in our hyper-busy world, grief has been minimized and sanitized. You get three days off of work after a loved one dies, and then everyone expects you to carry on like nothing happened. Uh, There are fewer and fewer opportunities for those around you to bear witness to your pain, and this can be very isolating." Um, So I I really feel like that's really the biggest thing that uh, you can do for someone who is grieving. the first step in finding meaning uh, is starts after kind of the fifth step, which is acceptance. Um, when you can come to acceptance that the loved one is gone, um, however you come to that stage, um, you can then start to find meaning for you in their death and in their life. Um, it does not happen all at once. Uh, and I'm going to read another quote here. Everything that lives must die, but while life has to end, love doesn't. As the sun sets on the final days of someone we love, we may indeed want to rage against the dying of the light, but it's worth reflecting on the fact that although we perceive the sun as setting, that's only because the earth is rotating, turning away from the sun. Soon it will turn back and we will begin a journey toward another day. Is that also true of our loved ones? However, you may, how you answer that may depend on your religious and or spiritual views. If you believe in an afterlife, then you will believe that your loved one will indeed live on. But even if you have no such belief in which to find comfort, the end of your loved one's life is not the end of your relationship, since your love lives on. Um, and I really like that that passage there. Um, and so the other big thing, another big thing I found uh, very useful and just very notable that he talks about, Uh, is at some point you have to make the decision. So the decision is deciding to live, to keep on living. And he, I'm gonna do these quotes because he can explain it better than I can. So here's um, another passage from his book. Each of us has a decision to make on how to heal from a loss. Before you make it, it's important to understand that not making a decision is a decision. Healing does not allow for neutrality. It is an active process, not a passive one. Each of us must decide whether or not we want to live again. The decision is a subtle, yet most powerful one. Living is different from being alive. We come out of loss alive, but we're not living yet." So I think everybody kind of intuitively knows that. It's, you know, that Well, you have to accept and then try to move on and live your life, not to forget the loved one, but perhaps incorporate that relationship and what things that you do um, and personally my decision really it was hard for me because it was made more difficult by difficult by uh, COVID-19 I felt not only trapped in my grief but I was also trapped in my home uh, when March in you know, the end of middle and end of March rolled around um, and you know it was very isolating I had to make the decision to reach out to others and even if it was only online or on the phone, or on a Zoom meeting, um, I had to make the decision to reach out to others. Um, I had to make do without direct eye contact and long hugs and you know those forms of communications. I was thinking about when I was writing this that uh, when my son Tom came home on July 4th to visit, that was really the first time I'd had a hug from anyone since the end of March. Um, You know, and so it was a very significant hug because it was, both of us were grieving and I think it was very useful for both of us in therapeutic. Um, Also in David Kessler's book, he goes into detail about different types of relationships and how people tend to grieve and can find meaning. He discusses challenges that can happen uh, when someone dies. There are too many details to discuss here right now, but he discusses uh, complicated relationships and the challenges to finding meaning in some types of deaths. Uh, for instance, suicide, the death of a child, miscarriage or infant loss, and and complicated relationships like maybe you might have with a mentally ill person or alcoholics or people with other addictions and people you may have had unfinished business with. So. I, I really recommend the book if you have um, relationships like this, and he just goes into how people found meaning and what you know that he acknowledges the difficulties and all those things in in this book. So, um, I recommend that. Uh, some thoughts on understanding meaning that he brings up. Um, these are uh, very important, I think. So I'm going to just read them here. Um, so. Understanding meaning, so your grief and the understanding of meaning, it's relative and personal. It takes time and this one I feel is very important. It does not require an understanding of why someone died. And if you do find meaning, it is not worth the cost. It is not worth the cost of the loss of the person. Um, It's also not a test or a lesson, and only you can find your own meaning, and this will help you heal the pain. Um, David says in his book, loss is simply what happens to you in life. Meaning is what you make happen, and I really believe that. Uh, People can find meaning in helping others. Uh, For instance, maybe you run in a 5K every year to raise funds for the kind of cancer that your loved one died from, uh, people have started nonprofits to prevent for example successful suicides from happening. Um, but it can be even just you know making sure that the the Christmas ornament that your loved one loved the most is prominently on your tree every year that gives you a chance to you know see it and think about the love that and the joy that was around surrounded your loved one so um, so finding meaning in a loss can take on many forms. A lot of times it just kind of, it's, a little, it's organic, you kind of direct it and it, it'll come for you because um, there's no one right or wrong way. Um, but you'll find that meaning inside of your heart. That's where it is and that's where you'll find it. Um, one of the ways that I found meaning um, in, in Dave's death was I put together his memorial service and um, exactly the way he wanted it to be. He wrote everything down, he wrote what music, what readings, and he also wrote, with lots of exclamation points after it, um, do not mourn me, celebrate me. And so with my friends and family's help, I, I really feel like we did just exactly that. Um, and I know some of you were there to witness the memorial and many people afterward told me you know, how wonderful it was and that it truly did celebrate him. Um, someone even said they felt strangely happy afterwards. Um, the funeral director said he had never seen such a well- done service as a celebration of someone's life. Um, and even others who knew me but not him that came said they gosh, I wish I would have gotten to know him. I wish I would have known him you know so that was I feel a really great way to talk about meaning and, and or to have meaning uh, For me, I really felt good about being able to do that, and and I'm very thankful for the 300 people that showed up. It was wonderful. Um, and another way I found meaning was some. I would I sometimes say some of the things that he would say in conversations, and I'll, I'll share my favorite one with you. And it's, um, what doesn't kill you, only pisses you off. So <laughs> uh, that I love that one. Uh, certain movies or movie quotes remind me of him, and places even do. Um, I remember him when I think of those and the love and the kindness that the, he gave to the world. Um, and he used to go buy me flowers at the flower rama. It's about two blocks away from my house. And he'd walk down there, he'd order two bouquets and have the gal at the counter wrap them all up separately and all that stuff. And then he would hand one of the bouquets back to her. And say, I don't know how often you get flowers, but every lady deserves to get them. And he would do that. He or he'd go across the street to the gas station, or just a random person that was walking. He would give them the other, the other bouquet. Um, and I think of that, you know, quite often when I drive by Flower Grandma, um, and that's where I bought the flowers for uh, his memorial too. Um, so, in closing, there's a lot of different ways that you can find meaning. Don't rush yourself, it comes from your heart. I recommend David Kessler's book if you're interested in reading it. Um and so that's my my talk today. And thank you for witnessing with me and blessed be.
0: This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.